Good morning, seven past the hour. This is the Faith Radio Network. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Bill Meyer, joined by business consultant Bill English. He's the founder of BibleandBusiness.com. Great website. If you are a Christian business person, I would encourage you to go there, read some of Bill's great articles. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good. I know you've done some research, and you found that Donald Trump actually made 282 promises during the presidential campaign. I can only recall about five of those, but what were some of Trump's core promises, and how likely is it that he'll be able to follow through? Well, you know, let's let's find out. What do you think his top three promises were? Uh, build a wall. Build a wall. Uh, repeal Obamacare. Repeal Obamacare. And, and prosecute Hillary. And prosecute Hillary. Yeah. So two out of the three. Right, right. He's already let one of them go. Yeah, He's not going to prosecute yeah, Hillary, yeah. although the Justice Department may under Jeff Sessions. Uh, Senator Sessions may go after that. Uh, this is an article uh, that I picked up from the Washington Post, this 282 promises of Donald Trump. And really the core the core of what he is trying to do, you can break it down into several sections, which they did uh, in this article. The, the, the core promise on jobs, for example, is that he's going to bring jobs back to the United States that have been uh, flowing overseas really for decades, if you want to think of it that way. So, for example, on the jobs front, he said he would call, and and this is relevant because this is in the news this morning, he would call the executives at Carrier, an air conditioning manufacturing plant in Indianapolis, my hometown, and would threaten to put a 35% tariff on their goods if they moved their operations to uh, Mexico and then they tried to ship back into the United States. Well, guess what? They committed yesterday to staying, uh, yeah. to staying and mm-hmm. keeping a thousand jobs in Indianapolis. So he's not even president yet, and he's already having an influence on retaining jobs in the United States. Now, am I am I a big Donald Trump supporter? Well, I really voted against this year. I didn't vote for, uh, but there you go. There's there's one uh, tangible evidence where uh, he actually is helping us to keep jobs in the United States. On his approach to the presidency, he's going to pass on the annual salary of $400,000. So he's going to take $1, as I understand it. Uh, so, you know, over four years, that's $1.6 million. Now, what he has also said is he would give that money to you and I here. And so... Uh, You're going to get six cents, Bill. Yeah, after taxes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you spread it out among all the yeah. Americans. Uh, yeah. on, on, on taxes, generally speaking, when you read through all of his promises, he's going to lower taxes. He's going to lower the corporate rate to 15%. The highest earners will only pay 25%, that kind of now, thing. Now, those things over time could boost the economy. I mean, those those are things that are good Good things, right? Yes, they are. and But they also increase the deficit and the national debt if we do not lower spending, spending right. sure. commensurately. Mm-hmm. And that's been the problem with uh, presidents and congresses in the past, where they have lowered taxes, but they haven't cut spending. And so we create deficits. And, you know, look, uh, we're going to see in the next one to two weeks, uh, we're going to see stories popping up on uh, how we have passed $20 trillion in debt. We're at 19.8 right now. Mm. Uh, if, if you go to a website run by the Department of Treasury called uh, Debt to the Penny, uh, they they give you a daily count of where the uh, national debt actually is, and we're, we're above $19.8 trillion. Wow. So we're going to hit, in the next couple of weeks, $20 trillion. Why is that? It's because we have been cutting taxes, and we have not been lowering spending. Uh this party is going to end at some point, 
And I, I don't know what that point is. I don't know what's going to happen to it. But we're going to touch on this again in the next segment anyways when we talk about retirement. Uh, on trade, he wants to withdraw from the North American Free Trade Agreement, and he's going to pull out of the Trans- Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership. And he's already made moves in that direction. On the budget, <laughs> this was a funny one. This is really an outrageous one. He wants to eliminate the $19 trillion national debt within eight years by, quote, vigorously eliminating waste, fraud, and abuse in the federal government and ending redundant government programs and growing the economy to increase tax revenues. Well, you can't do that. Not that kind of money. <clears throat> you Not could certainly you could start making a small dent in it. Yeah, something like sixty five percent of our budget is Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. That's that consumes the vast majority of the federal budget in total. Entitlements. Entitlements. Mm-hmm. And uh people like for whatever reason they like Social Security, they like Medicare, they like Medicaid. I think uh, people would be much better off if they saved on their own. When you actually look at what Social Security gives you relative to what you put in versus what you get out, the vast majority of Americans lose money on Social Security, but for whatever reason, they like the program, and it's Wait never made sense George to me. Wait a minute. George Bush had that idea a few years ago. I know Do your did. own private retirement accounts. I know. Democrats didn't like it. No, because it takes the government out of the loop of the individual's daily life. And wasn't it one of the big arguments from the the, uh, Democrats was people don't know how to invest their money and they might make mistakes? Well, and the government knows better? Seriously? (laughs) Really? Really? Yeah, look how much you're paying into Social Security and how much you're going to get back, my friend. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot back. And that's, again, we're bleeding into the next uh, segment here. Uh, Never default on the national debt and uh, implement the penny plan in which he would reduce net spending by 1% of the previous year's totals. So, okay, yeah, I can go along with that. Didn't he have a, a federal uh, employee hiring freeze, too, that he, he proposed? Did. Yeah, He did. Yeah. He wants to let the let the uh, um, the payroll of the federal government shrink through attrition, mm-hmm. which, you know, is not a bad way to do it if you have the long-term track to run on. Right. Uh, if, if it's, uh, you know, when, I, when we go in at Platinum and we turn around companies, we don't have a long-term track, so we're oftentimes having to cut some jobs to save others. But if you have a long-term track like he does here, attrition's not a bad way to go. He does want to dismantle Dodd-Frank, uh, which I think would be a good thing. Dodd-Frank is onerous, and it creates a lot of uh, headaches and paperwork unnecessary for the banks as well as uh, for the lendees. And uh, there's some other things in there that I don't like about Dodd-Frank, so I would, I would appreciate him getting rid of that. Uh, Health care. I thought you would mention this as one of the top three. He wants mm-hmm. to completely repeal. I did. I said Obamacare. Oh, did you say yeah. Obamacare? Yeah, did I said, he? I said the wall, Obamacare, and I said Hillary's. Uh, you know, I haven't had my Prozac today, oh, so, my, so my mind isn't working. I the understand. Way it yes. Okay. <laughs> no comment. Now he made he made uh, a couple of kind of off the wall promises as oh, well. Yeah. Did there, he? There was one. Yeah. There was one. He's going to refuse to eat another Oreo until Nabisco fully moves production back to the United <laughs> States. I cannot make that promise. I'm sorry. Yeah. Especially if it's a double stuff. Oh, you yeah. like the double stuff? Uh, yeah. Oh, I think they're too rich. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Our guest, Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com, will be right back here on Faith Radio. Good morning, 17 past the hour. It's the Faith Radio Network. Bill Meyer with Bill English of BibleandBusiness.com. We've been talking about some of Donald Trump's promises, 282 promises made during his presidential campaign. Um, Bill, as a guy who often speaks and writes about ethics and personal integrity, 
What do you believe constitutes a promise? A promise I, is, tends to be a little broad for me because of the biblical uh, uh, verses that talk about letting your yes be yes and your no be no. In other words, be a man or a woman of your word. And so uh, the concept of a promise is supposed to be that I'm saying something to you and somehow it's more meaningful and I will do extra effort to uh, to fulfill my part of whatever it is that I'm saying because it's a promise as opposed to my regular speech. It seems to me that Christians just ought to be have regular speech be, can I say at the promise level? Mm. And just say, you know, when I say that I'm going to do something, I will do it. And you don't have to worry about it. Um, now, having said that, we take vows before the Lord, and we take uh, you know marriage vows, for example, and and those are uh, particularly uh, significant promises that we make to God, in and we say we're going to fulfill these vows. Um, but uh, in in short, I, I take kind of a broad view of what a promise is. Now, Americans tend to be fairly forgiving when it comes to promises made by a politician during a political campaign. Do you think that's reasonable, or does it actually set a bad precedent? Both. I think it's both reasonable, and I think it sets a bad precedent as well. And uh, the reason for that is, uh, so A, is it reasonable? Yes, because uh, when you're running for president and you're on the stump for 18 to 20 months, you are going to say things that you later wish you didn't say. I don't care who you are. And so to really hold them tightly accountable for every word, I just think is unrealistic. Like the Oreo promise. Yeah, like know. the Oreo yeah. promise. I'm sure he'll he'll have an Oreo. He's probably had an Oreo since he said that. Yeah. He probably doesn't know it. <laughs> but it, was, it was in the milkshake. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, but uh, at, at the same time... Um, is is it reasonable? Yes, but should we expect people to fulfill their word? Yeah, I think we should. Now, the beatitude you mentioned this. Uh, Jesus says, "Let your yes be yes and your no be no." Um, how should we apply that instruction, that command, to a situation like this with uh, a presidential uh, campaign and a president elect? Uh, you know, you just expect him to keep the core or the thrust of what he promised. So in in the previous segment, I was going through and I was summarizing all of these promises, and there was probably another half dozen more categories that the author of this article from the Washington Post uh, put together. Um, there, you know, he really had redundant promises that just said the same thing, but in different ways. And so I think you take the core or the thrust of what he said and say, yeah, did he keep that? So for example, will he really repeal Obamacare? He may not be able to get the repeal through the Senate. Can he substantially change it? Yeah, I think he can. I think he has enough votes in the Senate to do that. Uh, so is the, the, the repeal-replace thing is, is really a promise to fix what's broken in the health care system. The, re, the repeal-replace thing is a tactic. Let's fix what's broken is more of the strategy. And I think, yeah, i got to hold him accountable at the strategy level. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if he didn't do anything about illegal immigration, we would say he, he didn't keep his promise. Right. He didn't keep his promise. Right. Right. Um, I can't help but think uh, what a powerful influence uh, we would be as followers of Christ if we actually followed that instruction to us in, in Matthew chapter 5. As a business consultant, can you describe maybe a few real-life situations in which 
uh, that could not only improve uh, business practices, but also even improve a company's bottom line. You know, um, I'll use myself as an example here in a, in both a positive and a negative way. Um, I am not I, if, if you put me in an organization, I tend to be a visionary. I tend to not be a practitioner or a guy who gets stuff done uh, in terms of, of tactics. You're a big picture thinker. I'm a big picture thinker, and I can see the problems, and I can devise solutions. Implementing those is hard for me to do directly. Uh, so, But in the role that I'm in right now as, a, as an interim CEO with this, with this company, um, I'm having to force myself that after every meeting – uh, when I have to go back and say, what did I promise to do or what did I say I would do? And then I have to set up a task for myself, an outlook. And then I, and then I review my tasks every day. That's how I start to build credibility. My tendency is to say, yeah, I'll get that done. And then I just don't pay attention to it. And that's not good. No. Um, have you consulted companies where promises were made, not kept, and it ended up really damaging the reputation of the company, the CEO, and and caused big problems for them down the line? In a lot of turnarounds, that happens because you don't have a choice. So uh, you might you might be in a turnaround situation where the company is failing financially, but they haven't told the employees, and the employees are just unaware of what's going on. And now this consulting company comes in, and now we're the bad guys. Guess what? Your pay is being dropped by fifteen percent, or we're eliminating, you know, twenty percent of the jobs, or or you know, we're having to tell vendors that no, we can't pay you on time. We need to stretch you out, arrest in the banks to take haircuts, that kind of thing, in order to save the company and save the jobs that we can save. And uh, no one likes to hear that. No one likes that at all. So you're saying the company has made promises, the, but the the consultant comes in and breaks the promises. Yeah. Yeah, because we don't have any choice. It's mm-hmm. either that or the company goes out of business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you want the company going out of business and everybody losing 100%? The answer is no. Well, what if we can get the majority of the people to keep 60% or 70%? And we can keep the majority of the jobs in the process. Well, that's a that's a better outcome. Than, and, and then, of course, after we get it healthy, then we start to regrow it and, and uh, then we can keep our promises again. Well, and beyond business, certainly in relationships, uh, letting our yes be yes and our no be no is so crucial. And it's not always easy because we tend to sometimes have boundaries that are a little bit permeable, especially if we're dealing with individuals that are more manipulative, more controlling. And so we might say yes when we really don't mean yes. And of course, that's we call that passive aggressive behavior. But but, uh, boy, what a great biblical admonition. And I I try to bring this back to my kids on a regular basis. You you say you're going to do something. However, they also bring it back on me. Dad, you promised we'd go to Culver's tonight. I'm sorry, it's too late to go to court, but you promised we'd go to So there you go. It happens. Yeah, well, yeah. but you know, what do we expect out of marriage? Yeah. A promise made and a promise kept. Yeah, amen. That's all yeah. we really expect. Yeah. And so, you know, if you love, uh, part of love is having the will to commit. Yeah, that's if, what. If, if, if you don't have the will to commit, then you don't really have love. Hmm. All right, my friend. Good, good to counsel as always. Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Thanks. You bet.